Gentlemen, welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. We are glad that you are with us as we get started. A friendly reminder that nothing we say here is meant to be perceived as the official statement of doctrine or belief of any particular school, church, or calling body. We are not affiliated with any particular school, church, or calling body, and that everything we say here is simply the belief or opinion of the man who states it and nothing more. Let's get started with the show. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a canon, father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. This is the place where young men come to learn what it means to be a man after God's own heart. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. And our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to be the men that God created them to be. So roll up your sleeves, gentlemen, and gird up. It's time to get to work. What's up, gentlemen? Welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. I'm the founder and curator of Gird Up, and for almost five years now, Gird Up has been helping young men become the men that God created us to be. What does that mean? Well, you are a young man, but you want to, either right now or someday, be a devoted and loving husband, be a great dad, uh, be strong in your faith and know and follow Jesus every single day, to be a leader in your church, in your community, to follow Jesus in everything that you do. But those things are both learned and earned, and we need men to teach us how to be those things and how to do those things. We have to learn from somewhere and from someone. Well, this is my opportunity to present to you men who are devoted husbands, loving dads, great fathers, leaders in all that they do, and men after God's own heart. And today, that's exactly what we're going to do. But before we introduce you to today's guest, got to shout out Brigabeard General Beard Oils and Supplements. This is the good stuff, fellas. You, um, if you're growing a beard, you know the struggle, especially this time of year, to keep your beard healthy and intact. Well, Brigabeard General has great scents and awesome natural oils that will keep your beard healthy. You don't want flakes. You don't want any of that crazy gross stuff. When your woman touches your beard, you want her to be happy with it. It should be soft. It should be conditioned. It should be well-groomed and well-taken care of. Brigadier General Beard Oils and Supplements are a great way to do that. You can find Brigadier General Beard Oils and Supplements on Google, no, sites.google.com forward slash Brigadier General or on Facebook at Brigadier General. Shout out to Nate Hensler, friend of the podcast, good friend of mine. All right, fellas, our guest for today is none other than the Jason Jasperson. Some of you know him, some of you know him well. If you don't know him well, you likely have seen some of his work, especially if you're part of the Lutheran Church. Pardon me here as I read his description because the, the man has done a lot of things. Jason Jesperson has been producing art for the last 25 years. His creative work includes public monuments, painted murals, woodblock prints, Japanese ink paintings, 
sand animations, illustrations, motion graphics, and stacks and stacks of sketchbooks. He wrestles with the invisible qualities of the Christian faith into stimulating visuals for renewed contemplation. Those are his words, by the way. Um, and he it's absolutely true, everything about it. Jason's paintings, sculptures, and prints can be found around the United States in private and public settings. Jason has also been an art educator since 2001, bringing an experiential and relational approach to high school and college learners. Jason intentionally positions himself as a guide on the side instead of a sage on the stage, which is language you're going to recognize from John Eldridge if you've been reading the books I'm telling you to read. In other words, rather than pouring content into his learners, Jason guides a personal search that is less predictable and less comfortable, but results in actual knowledge in his learners. Jason Jasperson's family tree has branches in politics, concrete, finance, ministry, sake, business, bonsai, athletics, craftsmanship, and painting, and has geographic roots in Scandinavia, Japan, Germany, and the American Midwest. In this interview, he's going to talk about some of those influences. And Jason, of course, also says that reflecting on his faith helps him see that God's guiding hand has resulted in better outcomes than his feeble willpower could have ever chased. God provides exactly what is needed at the right time, and each of us has everything that we need. We are blessed, and we have more abundance than we can realize. Jason regularly advocates for the intersection of creativity and Christianity at conferences, podcasts like this one, um, presentations and blog posts. Jason is currently splitting his time working as a studio artist and studio art professor at Bethany Lutheran College. Jason also loves working with apprentices. So if you're a budding artist who wants to be like Jason someday, make sure you get in contact with him. I really enjoyed this conversation with Jason. You're going to notice that Wanda is also on this particular episode. Juan, I hope you're having a wonderful summer down there in sunny Florida. Like I said, it's a great episode. It was a ton of fun to make. It's actually way longer than we expected it to be because we just got to talking and didn't want to stop. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy this particular episode. This is an interview with Jason Jasperson, the artist and art teacher slash professor. Let's get into it. This looks like a bunch of toys. She's more than happy now. <laughs> well, we made her day. She won't be happy when when we're upset about her chewing on your cords. Fair enough. She likes Velcro too, like that Velcro strap. She just loves it. Okay. Yeah. So how does she do first. when you're like building stuff and using tools and all that kind of thing? You know, well, it depends. Um, <laughs> like saws, she doesn't like. She's just mm. gone. <laughs> but um, we were looking at that clay sculpture downstairs and there's toes sticking out of the bottom. <laughs> Just a week ago, she was, like, chewing on the toes. And I have to teach her, you know? That means, like, get a little mad. <laughs> and uh, and then she initially kind of doesn't want to learn. But, <laughs> but eventually she does learn. And, uh, like, we have an understanding she doesn't sit on the keyboard, the computer keyboard. She, like, walks around it. She won't step on the keyboard. Okay. She's really good. But but I also move the keyboard out of the way because she wants to be right where my hands are. That's what it's about. All right. So cool. we have a relationship. I mean, she does she does okay. 
<laughs> but I do have to make sure that I my palate is hanging. <laughs> it's not a flat surface that she'll lay on. Okay. You know? So I, I've modified the way I work. Has she ever just ruined a project where you had to just scrap it and start over? Sand animation. Okay. For sure. (laughs) Um, There was one instance, like, there was one time uh, that palette was sitting up on that table. And it had wet paint, and there was a big painting on that easel. And she was right there. And I saw it happening. She she was on her way up <laughs> and I like intercepted her. So I've got her in my hands, but her front paw is in that red paint, that, that bright red paint. And so like there's oil paint on her paw and she doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> and like, and this stuff, you know, like stains anything. So I'm just thinking, okay, if she goes anywhere, if she touches me, like, <laughs> this is over. And I had to, like, manage it, like, find, like hold her somehow with one hand and get a rag and try to, she doesn't know what's going on. And <laughs> suddenly wiping her paws, she just wanted to jump on the table. That's about as bad as it's gotten. Well, no. Sometimes in the morning, I, I've come in and there are sculptures on the floor that uh. used to be up on that shelf. And I learned... I can't have so many sculptures up there. <laughs> it's not malicious. She's just trying to get around. Right. And, you know, it shoves off the edge. Does she, like, kill mice or anything? Uh, Yeah, out in the yard. We huh. take her out in the yard. Um, She's an apex hunter. <laughs> nice. Yes. That's a good shop cat. She's good. good yeah, cat. she's really good. Yeah. Awesome. So um, we were talking quite a bit about, like, uh, works of creation and, and such. Um, I guess maybe the place to start is how you became, how you got into a position where you can be a creator the way you are. Um, so like you were talking about back in the day, really loved doing comic books. Um, even tried doing some comic books. Sounds like, um, really enjoyed drawing and things. And you were an art major in college. Where'd you go to college? Bethany Lutheran College. Oh, so you're an alumnus. I am an alum. Uh, it was a two-year school, so I moved on from there across town to Mankato State. Okay. And I did a little time at Gustavus. Okay. So how do you go from there um, to the point now where your your occupation, full-time, right, is um, doing commissioned pieces of art, essentially? What's that story look like? It's complicated. <laughs> it's always complicated. Life um, is complicated. Yeah. I think, what does it look like? It looks like a lot of late nights and a lot of weekends. And every snow day is, you know, a studio day. So it looks like years and now decades of sort of determination to do this. And that means all kinds of sacrifice. It means, you know, not doing other things. Um... <laughs> she wants to be part of the podcast. Yeah. Tootie. Tootie. Up here. <laughs> There's too many interesting things. Yeah. New smells. This is her house. Yeah, come on up, girl. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to so the you court. were teaching art? Move move the cord. Move the cord. Yeah, right. So if we're looking for a timeline, chronology, um, 
Um, college. Okay, so I went through college and had an art major, and that kind of you know, my dad told me I should teach, I should learn, I should take education courses in college, and I never did because I, you know, why would an art major take an education course? Didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I took anatomy courses. I took courses that you know I, I thought would be helpful for me as an artist, but I was single-minded. You know, I'm going to do this thing. Well, after graduating, there's there's no job. You know, um, so I was I worked at a greenhouse for months at a college, and then and then manna fell from the sky. Um, a call from. MVL came an emergency call for an art teacher and it was going to be a one-year emergency call and it turned into 17 years I got wow. soon certified and and that's when all the late nights and weekends you know were crammed in with yeah being a teacher did you enjoy being a teacher I did I still do uh, because now I, I teach at Bethany um, the magic of being a teacher is like when you hit you hit your stride with your students and and everybody kind of knows how the room operates and and like we're in the middle of a project everybody knows what the project is about and there's a moment where you just like you just hear pencils <laughs> and maybe there's a little chatter and somebody gets up and and goes over to pick something up but but when people are focused together, they're working together on something. Um, I love that moment as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So how does how does uh, the your expertise maybe as an artist how does that carry over into teaching? Does that is that something that comes naturally to you, or is that something that um, you had to kind of work at? Well, I was—it's it's not a concrete thing to teach, right? I mean, there yeah. are definitely concrete uh, aspects to it, like techniques and things. That's a great question. But it's an abstract thing to yes, teach. Yes, it is. It is. I mean, well, people treat it different ways. Some people treat teaching art like vocabulary words and worksheets. And um, because I didn't study education, I really just thought back to what teachers were effective for me, who moved me, who inspired me. And I realized that those teachers, there's a few, those teachers really allowed themselves to be vulnerable. They were very real with me, very honest. And... Um, kind of you know crossed over this this implied barrier the student teacher barrier and we were just person to person yeah and i yeah i aspire to that as a teacher mm -hmm. to try to it takes a long time to convince a student that with, without saying it out loud that that's where we're going <laughs> yeah that's what i yep. actually want to do um and teaching art is really kind of a mentoring process. Yeah. It's a little like coaching, I think. 
you know, there's, there's skills that you need to learn. There are techniques that I can teach you and processes that I can teach you. But the fact is that you just need mileage. You need guided mileage. You need to, like, fill up sketchbooks and blow through tubes of paint and just do a lot of it and hopefully have somebody to kind of guide you along the way and help you make decisions, help you understand what you've done and, you know, adapt for the next time. But mentoring is really, is really, I think, the way it works. Yeah. So as you, um, as you are teaching, obviously you still want to be a, someone who's creating art, right? Um, and I would assume wanted to be professional at it, right? Mm. Um, do it for a living. Um, how you talked about nights and weekends and things. Uh, Randy Posh, who is a uh, professor at Carnegie Mellon, like one of the on the leading edge of like uh, like network networking and things like internet stuff. I don't I don't know. I'm not a computer guy, <laughs> <laughs> but he would he would talk about is um, one of the most successful. He eventually died of cancer, and he wrote a book called The Last Lecture. But one of the things that he um, would talk about is um, people ask me all the time why I'm so successful as a as an educator, why our program is so elite. And he would say, if you want to find me, I'll tell you the answer, but you're going to find me at 10 p.m. on a Friday, Friday night in my office, right? Like yeah. this is – you'll see yeah. me doing the work, and that's the only way that something like this happens is doing the work and making the sacrifices. Um, do you yeah. – obviously – um, you don't know as you're going through that process necessarily if it's going to work out in the end the way that you want it to or if the dream ever does come true. Um, what kept you going in that direction? What kept you kind of grounded in that and rooted in that passion and that desire to, to uh, be a professional artist? Boy. Well, I, I had a teacher uh, that hit me at just the right time. <laughs> That's a terrible sentence. <laughs> I was about to say, is that literal? or <laughs> Is this a metaphorical hit or a literal no, hit? No, this, uh, no, this... No teacher ever hit me. No. Uh, but I'm saying, like, at, at Unless just the right... Unless it was at just the right time. <laughs> at, at the right time in my life, I encountered this teacher... Uh, Bill Bukowski. He was a professor at Bethany, and he uh, he ran what is now the legendary Young Michelangelo Art Camp. Uh, and I was I was this comic book loving eighth grade graduate, and and he was a young professor and and he was running this summer camp and I was there were the art classes at, at St. Paul's in New Ulm you know were me, medium yeah it kind of depends on the classes, teacher yeah. uh and at MVL at the high school I was going to uh, there were no art classes none at all and so I was thrilled to learn that I could spend a week in the summer um and then when i got there here's bill bukowski and his cousin pete and these guys actually made comics and they knew people at marvel 
And well, here's Pete's drawing. Pete is like the world's Zorro expert. No kidding. He lives in the south of France with the famous cartoonist R. Crumb, underground comic book artist. Okay, so he's, he's teaching art camp. I show up and there's these guys. And not only that, they're giving lectures to us about the Impressionists and about Renaissance artists. And, and, um, and we did an oil painting in the week. Nobody had ever touched it, but they just like gave us the supplies and said, okay, let's do it. And uh, boy, that charged me up. And, and they talked like, well, this is the ultimate thing to do. This is how to live right. Yeah. Be a painter. And it just hit me at just the right time. And there's all sorts of other influences. My grandmother was a, a Japanese uh, sumie painter. I knew that growing up. She was learning this. Um, she's, but she was in Japan. My grandfather was a missionary. And, and my grandmother's Japanese. Um, so they were sort of legendary. They would, they would arrive on furlough every three years in my childhood. Yeah. And grandma would have these paintings. And there's another influence that I grew up seeing. Here's somebody who does this. It's real. So, you know, the, what these people have in common is that they just live it. They just do it. It's not something unusual. I think I grew up seeing that maybe more than others did. Um, my mom is very creative, always, always uh, making things, trying new things. My dad is a why not kind of guy. <laughs> you know, he just, he finds answers. So, so I had I had a, a stream of really positive influences. My parents encouraged me. They uh, they would buy me some art supplies or a drafting table or something. Um, their their stance on parenting was, let's see what the kids are interested in, and then we'll encourage them in that, instead of trying to steer them into things. Let's see where they go. Yeah. Cool. I think that a um, big part of what you're saying is just keep working hard Let's at what you're doing. Just a second. Sorry. I want to make sure that everything is good to go so that we don't find out later. Yeah. <laughs> redo, redo. No redos. Nah, well, I, don't, I won't remember what I said. <laughs> safe than sorry yeah so um i was gonna say that what you're getting at is um if you keep working hard at something eventually you're gonna become a really good artist in, in that regard and evidently you've done some really good pieces of art um like i've seen thus far as walking around your shop it's just amazing the things that you do uh, but i do wonder what's like your least favorite thing you've done or created <laughs> like <laughs> Your least favorite, the one that you think is like, wow, this is horrible. Or, oh, boy. Um, well, because I, <laughs> because I do commission work, I, I don't want to say anything. 
<laughs> I don't want to say anything because, you know, then clients feel like they get gypped. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had, I think when you started your sentence, I, I was thinking least favorite experience. Like oh. there are, there are some, some client relationships that have not gone as well as they could have. Um, partially because I'm not, I'm so focused on doing the studio work that I'm not always great at taking care of people. And that's the sacrifice thing. Um, you know, sometimes sacrifice can have this sort of romantic notion to it, but there's loss involved. So sometimes I haven't taken really good care of of being clear about what I'm doing and I'm just so excited about what I'm doing. Um, what feels like an improvement to me looks like an unwelcome surprise to a client sometimes. This isn't what you showed us you're going to do. This isn't what you promised. Um, so I I don't like when things start friendly and don't end friendly. I like things to stay friendly. Yeah, of course. What does that look like on the back end? Like if you finish something and they don't like it, do you then go back to the drawing board and create something they do like, or is it just a loss? Or yeah, I've got some stories. <laughs> I uh, believe it. Okay, so here's the biggest story. There we go. This is this is massive. Um, I work with a company called Artstone here in New Ulm. I've done a lot of architectural sculpture for them. And they do jobs all around the country, especially in the Midwest. Uh, and they do just fantastic, exquisite work. You've probably seen their work, and, you know, I won't go over the list. But, but this job was uh, to sculpt a herd of buffalo uh, <laughs> at over life size. Maybe put the lid on that. Yes, please. Um, so, so uh, it's it's a relief sculpture that goes on a wall. It runs thirty six feet long. Wraps around a law enforcement center in North Dakota. And that's the kind of thing I like to hear. That's exciting. Yeah. That's giant work. And we crammed it into this studio. This is a 24-foot-long wow. studio. That's a 30-some-foot-long thing. Massive. It's in panels, you know, so, like, you kind of walked around down there. Imagine there's there's back-to-back -back panels, and there's, like, an alley, and the door is covered. It literally just squeaked in by inches. <laughs> and the the place is just dominated by these things. But I worked on it. I had an assistant at the time. He worked on it, and uh, we spent months. I think it was June when we started, and and it was definitely there was snow on the ground when we took it out the doors. Wow! And uh, we took it to the shop at uh, at Artstone so that they could do the mold making, the same process that we talked about earlier: flexible mold and then a rigid mold. And they were going to pour cement to make, you know. A, positive copy of my clay um, but the this was for a uh, 
a tribe in North Dakota, a law enforcement center for a tribe. And, and there were so many parties involved. There are uh, contractors and architects and decision makers at the tribe and, and the people that I'm working with, Artstone. So it's like this game of telephone about what are the changes? What are you supposed to do? Well, I never had direct contact with the people who were dissatisfied. I, could nev I wasn't allowed to talk to them. I had to go through these channels. So my email is, you know, all these strings of forwards. <laughs> and, um, and it just wasn't working. The, we had to make a revision and then send the photos and, you know, wait a couple weeks to get a response and then it's not right. Change it again. What if you lift this leg? Or, you know, and after a while it's starting to... When you work at that scale, a revision is a lot of time and a lot of effort. And I'm a full-time teacher. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, Well, and I mean, it's not necessarily the focus, but it takes money out of your pocket, too. Not necessarily. No. no. So this was, you know, this is a subcontractor relationship. And, and I contracted for a certain amount. Mm -hmm. It's not an hourly wage. It's a, okay. it's a base price um but yeah well right because i'm putting in more time than i expected right, yeah, yeah. And, my and hours are becoming devalued things, yeah yeah and everybody involved is feeling the same way like <laughs> let's get it let's get it done it's sitting on the benches at artstone so you know this is 30 feet long on their benches where they would normally normally be producing other things they had to give me a key to the place so that I could get in late at night and work. So I'm in this like big creaky warehouse at night alone <laughs> uh, in the dark. But um, after all of that, in the end, they still weren't satisfied and they scrapped it. The whole thing went in the trash. I still got paid. I still okay. got paid what you know exactly what we agreed on. Everybody got paid, but wow. they just went and they bought another one. <laughs> That's crazy. They just had another one made. Oh man! And you know, like I go through all that work. Yeah, okay, getting paid—that's good. <laughs> but you you imagine it being installed. Right. You imagine it being up. You think you're doing this for. Or something is yeah do you think like as you're coming out of that is it hard to get excited about the next project well because i jump different mediums i do different things uh it's kind of a downer but it, it was really more like exciting to get out of that environment oh true and <laughs> you know just, just ready like to move on work yeah. with work with somebody on a smaller scale more personal yeah and maybe more you know, I, I find that I really, I have chosen to focus on Wells ELS culture Okay. Uh, yeah. for my portfolio. And I step out of it. You know, the, the Bison Project is one example. I do a lot of um, public monuments and, and secular work. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I'm, I'm here on this planet for another reason okay you at one point you uh att attempted a 
Guinness World Record, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. Did you, really? did you complete it? That was that was another one of my worst experiences. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anybody who was involved in Luther Days? Oh, I was there for had, so, for a different thing. Was that was Shoreland? There. Yeah. Was that Shoreland? Um, that was not as advertised. It was not. Not as advertised. It was not. There were more vend. If I remember correctly, there were more vendors there than people attending the. Correct. <laughs> Pretty. I mean, it sure felt that way. And um, yeah. So, so that was that was a tough situation because I came, you know, all excited. There's going to be volunteers. There's going to be all sorts of supplies. Everything's going to be taken care of. This is going to be awesome. There's going to be a film crew. There's and nobody. We're there. going to do it. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's nobody. None of this. There was like a bin full of newspaper. I was the, the idea was to make the world's largest paper mache sculpture. And it was going to be Luther's seal. And in order for it to be a sculpture, you know, I needed to figure out ways to like elevate it and make it, you know, more than a flat thing. Um, so I, I was drawing up plans on the road there and, you know, everything was going to be awesome. And then there's just like, there's nobody and there's nothing. And the same assistant, it's the same assistant that did the bison thing. We, we had a couple hard knocks there. Um, Joey Steinbach, maybe you're listening. Hi, Joey. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was rough. I mean, we went to Walmart and we bought some acrylic paint and and some crafty stuff and you know like that I did not get paid for. <laughs> I did and not get, get reimbursed. I did not get the record. Did oh no. no! I mean, but we did it. We we did our best. We did what we could. It was sort of flat on the parking lot. Basically, we yeah. smeared paper on pavement <laughs> and painted it. <laughs> you know. It was. It was. I remember. I forgot about that. I went thanks, out there. Thanks the, a lot. Because you were there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't. I didn't. I, now that you say that, I remember. Like I. I didn't. I didn't remember that those two things were connected. The the Guinness <laughs> thing and. Mm-hmm. But now that you say that, it makes sense. Uh, but I just I, last thing on this. The I remember going out there at the end of the day because I was sitting next to my booth waiting for people to come. Yeah. For for Lutheran Vanguard. And the uh, I remember going out like at the end of what was supposed to be the lunch rush or whatever, and the food vendors are just giving away food because they don't want to have to take it home because there's <laughs> nobody there to buy the food. <laughs> oh right, I mean that was going to be thousands of people. Yep, everybody was like geared up oh, for thousands. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. it just like didn't get advertised at all. Or? Let's change the subject. Yeah, Let's change the subject. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there could be legalities involved with that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But okay, so. Um, Obviously, you're doing what you love, right? Um, and you're getting paid for it. So how do you take the steps from being an art teacher, right, hmm. to getting paid for what you do? Well, I mean, you get paid as an art teacher, but getting paid for creation. Well, these these things uh, did not happen in a timeline. They didn't happen sequentially. They were happening simultaneously. So, um, for example, the Bison Project or... A lot of other projects. Most of my portfolio was was being produced during my time being a high school teacher. Um, so it's not necessarily cause and effect like that. These things are are side by side, traveling side by side. 
um, how does it happen? I, I think it's that determination. Like, it, actually, okay. So, I realize as I think about it that I always thought teaching was a pit stop, and that that sort of that was my strong feeling at the beginning of of high school teaching because I just came out of being an art major and I came out of being an art major because I came out of art camp, you know, and I, I was going to paint portraits or work at Marvel or, you know, that was my direction, my drive. And, and I maintained that. I kept that. Um, I have to teach for a while to make that happen. But if I don't make art, that won't happen. So nobody else can do that but me. You know, like, that won't take care of itself. If I don't take care of it, it won't take care of itself. And I've always known that skills atrophy. Mm. If you don't keep up with something, it'll get rusty. And you'll you won't be able to get you won't be able to get back what you had so easily right so there's this sort of this almost a fear that that motivated me like yeah. i got to maintain it right don't want to let go of this um do you remember your first um like what did you get paid for first like your first project that was like you uh, made some money off of it well, maybe significantly, uh, I was commissioned for a mural at my high school just before I graduated from that from MVL and worked on it through my freshman year at Bethany. And this is, I think it's, I'm trying to think of the dimensions of it. It's probably 10 feet long. Um... I don't know, four feet high, something like that. A stretched canvas. And that was a big thing to put in my dorm room. <laughs> uh, my poor roommate, we didn't have a window for that semester. Um, but that's like, to in my mind, that always seemed like obvious. Like, of course I'll paint a mural in my dorm room. Yeah. And in retrospect, I realize, I, I guess I'm a little odd that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people don't do that. Yeah. I, I didn't know. But it didn't matter. Like, I, right. I I don't know why, but I just always have been like, yes, this is happening. Yep. It's hard to explain. <laughs> is it still there at MVL? It is. Cool. Yeah, it's moved. But it's still on the wall. Do you ever look at, do you look at it with, like, pride of, like, wow, look at that, look at what I did when I was that young. Or do you look at it now and just go, like, oh, I was so young. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little of both. It It has glimmers of good paint. You know, and sometimes I I think, too, that that was kind of a magical time because I was really figuring things out. I was really focused and it was before I had sort of the adult problems of bills and all these mm -hmm. different draws on your time and energy. Um, so it was like there was this pureness to the project, like just paint yeah but also it was full of frustration <laughs> when i think about it i didn't know 
this is pre-internet or pre-Google, I mean, sort mostly. So my research, well, I wanted it to be accurate to the school. So my photos, my photo references meant that I was digging through boxes of real photos and trying to sort those things and choose them, which is a lot to dig through. But also, you're at the mercy of these photographers, mm. you know, mostly students who are taking pictures over the years, and you don't really have that many choices. Good choices. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of frustration. Yeah. And but, but what I've learned is that every project has that. Yeah. This is really important. It's a breakthrough for me. Like, oh, yeah, it sucks. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the ugly duckling stage. Yeah. <laughs> Every project is just going to be bad for for like its first third of existence. And it won't get better if you don't keep working. That's it. I think that's a threshold that a lot of people don't cross. And they feel like they're not good only because they didn't work on it long enough to get through that bad stage and I think you can you can apply that to one project or you can apply that to a craft uh, to anything like for me it's exercise yeah. I can't get past that stage where it's just awful <laughs> a lot of so, people don't yeah right and it's that same kind of threshold like People who have passed it know that it's okay on the other end of it. But if you don't pass it, you don't know that. Yeah. So this is a tangent here, um, but I think it's particular, particularly pertinent to the conversation here. Um, so you uh, you are kind of a master of the arts, if you will. Um, and those like you see creation of things a lot of times in the you know, masculine culture, whether it be is it carpenter, um, that kind of a thing. But I think in a modern American culture, and even to an extent in the culture of the church, um, it's not something that's always valued highly or as highly as other, you know, masculine virtues. Although it is definitely something you see in Scripture, you definitely see it in um, the men of the Bible and even throughout church history. And you think about the great works of art through time; almost all of them are tied to a faith of some kind. Um, and many of them, especially in our cultures, because we're, you know, for the most part, a European-based culture, and as, as Americans, um, a lot of that is also church-related. Um, I guess, do you want to talk to the the value, maybe, of um, kind of cultivating the warrior-poet side of things? Even uh, We were talking earlier on the other part of the video about um, the, the sculpture you're doing you're working on downstairs uh, with the two warriors over a cent or centuries, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the idea of like, they're both in the word. Um, they're both fighting men. Um, they're both I would I would put them in that category, like King David, you know, of a warrior poet. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to talk to the value maybe of of the arts? And um, uh, this is a super wide open question, but you understand where I'm going, maybe? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think it through. I think, um, 
I think purpose is an interesting thing. Like, things change when you figure it out. And maybe that's maybe that's an answer to your earlier question. Yeah. Like how do you how do you keep going? I, I always I don't know. Like something something happened and and the dominoes fall and and I have purpose. And then it just I don't know, I just keep going. Um so so purpose When you find that, you start to realize that there is, God has a, a reason for you to be here. You're still alive for a reason. And you're surrounded by the people that you're surrounded by intentionally. God planned that before the beginning of the world. Well, if that's true, then it starts to feel um, serious. Like, you know, we're not just floating around doing whatever we feel like. Um, there's, there's an intention. When you realize God has intention for you, I think we follow suit and we start to become intentional. We start to look for that path and find clues every now and then, find a little evidence every now and then. Um, yeah, I always feel like there's there's something just behind the curtain, something just invisible happening and uh and every now and then we get to see a little bit or we get a we get a clue about it and i i feel like i'm coming around to the answer to your question um the the warrior poet idea uh i i do feel like art is battle i've talked about some of the frustration and there's there's a lot of misconceptions there's a lot of cultural misconceptions about what it means to make art uh sometimes we picture a guy in a beret with a palette you know and he's kind of foppy <laughs> sometimes we picture splashing paint around in a warehouse and sometimes we picture people not deserving to be paid millions of dollars for doing nothing. And sometimes we picture um, people not being appreciated until they're dead. You know, like we have, we have tropes that seem to come from Gilligan's Island or something campy like that. Bob Ross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bob Ross just won't go away. Uh, be, and, and in a way, you know, I... I think it's kind of cute, kind of fun. Um, but in another way, I, I think people have a hard time thinking beyond that, realizing that 
if if he represents art, then I I say Richard Simmons represents athletics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the the misconception is sometimes like you like this, it's fun. So, it's like recreation, it's like entertainment. Um, yeah, I like it, it's fun, but Michael Jordan liked what he was doing, and he was working. And I'm working. I don't know. That's that's a seems like a very arrogant parallel. <laughs> uh, but but work. Okay, so this is about work and it's about purpose. I've discovered that I I feel pretty confident that I've discovered my purpose. And <clears throat> and I keenly feel my ticking clock. That I won't last forever on this planet. And if those two things are true, then, you know, like, get to, get going. <laughs> There's stuff to do before it's too late. That, that becomes a battle. Like, I have to fight, I have to fight myself, my own willpower. I have to fight uh, my lack of skill in areas or my, my, I wish I read more. I wish I had more in my head. Um, I have to fight just the tasks that pile up. I told you earlier, sometimes I feel like a professional emailer. Um, or, you know, being, being a high school teacher while I'm trying to, uh, make art, make a career, uh, and now being a college professor and doing the same. And, And trying to do justice to all of those things, to not to not jip my role as a father or a husband, to not jip my role as a teacher, and also to follow through on my promises to clients, and and then in the midst of all of that, try to make something that doesn't suck. <laughs> That's battle. That's really hard. Um, And I think I think that's true for everyone. What I just described isn't necessarily peculiar to me. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's trying to like figure out what am I supposed to do and how do I live a decent life? How do I do a good job of my time of grace? How do I take care of it? That's that's all battle because we're not in the garden of eden anymore yeah well and what um to make a gross overgeneralization of what you said um it almost feels like where you're going is the once you identify that purpose um and you start truly pursuing it um and for us as christians i mean as humans um it is tied to our savior it's tied to our father who did the creating um once you focus in on that purpose and you pursue that purpose everything else kind of starts to fade away and it's no longer even about necessarily like um you know in our case trying to be a man or like even trying to make a career or trying to be this that or whatever and it's far more about following it's far more about using my time 
It's far more about being a steward than it is about anything else. Stewardship comes to mind quite a bit. Being a steward, I, I think, is central to the way I think. Um, I, I think I've, I've earned. No, I think I've, I've done this long enough. That, uh, that I can safely say. That I have gifts in art. <laughs> right. Okay. God-given gifts, uh, or or also gifts that I've developed. It's like bodybuilding. God gives you a body. What do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so stewardship, you know, comes to mind with those gifts. It's. I know. I know. It's a trick of the language, the parable of the talents. You know, but it's it's tempting to think in terms of talent. Um, so it's interesting, uh, you know, to be a steward of talent. I think about that. I I also think about. Uh, Luther's concept of um, a magisterial and a ministerial use of of reason that that dichotomy fascinates me uh, so as an artist you know it's it's pretty common and it's pretty tempting to try to do work that that brings you glory that sort of you know essentially says hey look at me and and as a Lutheran, you know, it's really, it's fascinating to try to find how do, how do I take this and make it about service? How can making artwork be about helping people rather than completely focused on helping myself? That gets into like, what about being expressive? Is is making art about just like vomiting your your inner life to the world? <laughs> That's kind of what expression is, and and I do believe in you know take being vulnerable and taking your insides and and you know sharing connecting. But the motive is really a turning point. It's it's a key thing. Cool. Very cool. Um, so as we kind of head towards the end of the hill here, um, what encouragement do you have for young men who want to pursue the arts or pursue, you know, an act of creation? I would say, um, you know, I want to say, like, <laughs> look at Genesis 1. And realize God is the creator. And then look around and see the evidence of that creation. Study it, study it, study it. Um, and I think I just said what I would want to say. Right, the, yeah. the idea of service, the idea of stewardship, these are, these are I think, key for for our fellowship, for creatives in our fellowship and 
definitely beyond. But uh, the world will tell you that it that art is about one thing, about yourself. And it's not necessarily true. There are other ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important sometimes to recognize the difference between purpose and vocation. Like a lot of times mm. we take mm. um, vocation and purpose and try to make them the same thing. So like my purpose in life is, you know, like as a as a teacher, it's easy to say like my purpose in life is to make these kids learn this that or, you know, but that that's not purpose. That's vocation. My purpose then as as a teacher, you know, would be shape and mold young minds, and that can take all kinds of forms. And over the course of a lifetime, that probably will take all kinds of forms. And that doesn't make you move away from your purpose. And then that also on the back end, if the vocation changes or goes away, then it's not this huge frustration. You're not lost. You're just looking for a different way to maybe express the vocation, if you will. I think that's important, too. You know, right, you just talked about maybe the vocation shifts or changes. Yeah. That That reminds me that a, a lot of people are very creative and don't have the opportunities that I have. And I just want to encourage those people that um, it's not too late. You can, you can pick things up. And, and I think it's possible to make habits that make progress. Um, if you're if you're somebody who wants to be more creative or somebody who feels like you used to be more creative or life got in the way um, it's not too late you can do little things that lead to bigger things that lead to bigger things you can start this cool and the last question we got to ask every guy who comes on the podcast. Mm. Didn't prep you for this one, mm. but uh, I think you got an answer in you. What does it mean to be a man or what makes a Christian man? Uh, I think I think being a man is about serving and protecting. I think I think that's what Jesus did. I think he gave he gave himself he sacrificed himself for the ones he loved and um and we're called to do that in infinitely smaller ways and sometimes in very mundane ways things that aren't flashy things that don't <laughs> get a lot of attention um but I think that I, I love chivalry. I know that's kind of taken a hit recently, but I think at the heart of chivalry, it's that idea of putting someone else first. Awesome. So if people want to uh, find examples of your work or see your work, uh, where can they find you online? JJJasperson.com. Uh, it's Danish, so S-E-N. <laughs> often often misspelled so three J's at the front there jjjasperson.com awesome and where can we find you on social media uh, Instagram is the best place um, 
What's it up right now? Links in the description. <laughs> <laughs> right next yep. to Tootie the Studio Cat. Right next to Tootie the Studio Cat. <clears throat> and uh, there's a there's a decent archive on Facebook too. I'm I'm not as active uh, in either place as I once was because yeah. life is full. Yeah, yeah, and social media has a tendency to take away from that. Right. Yeah. But Instagram, because because I'm primarily visual. Yeah, that's makes a sense. Nice visual platform for me. Cool. Very cool. Juanda, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Juanda Escobar or um, my Fresh Faith account too. Awesome. Underscore Fresh Faith underscore. All in the links below. Um, how do you spell Is it t- 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 Tootie. Tootie. T U D Y. T U D Y. Tootie the Studio Cat. She's All on Instagram. Right. And you can find Gird Up, of course, you've already found us at least once, over on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. Um, blossoming on YouTube, we're getting there. Um, and uh, find us on Instagram at under, Gird Up underscore B underscore A underscore Man. Facebook, um, join a community, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the website is up and running. Get yourself a t-shirt. Um, and make sure that you're following us everywhere. Like and subscribe, all that good stuff. Jason, thanks for having us in the uh, in the studio today. It's, nice it's been to a blast. Have been an awesome conversation. Really, really enjoyed Amazing. it. So. <laughs> Amazing. Right, that's all we've got from Jason Jasperson. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope it's been enriching for you, and I hope that you feel like you know Jason a little bit better. Jason is a wonderful man. Um, and he was super, super welcoming while we were there at his shop. Um, so make sure that you also watch the companion video that goes along with this, um, Jason's video tour of his shop. It's going to come out really cool. I can't wait to share that with you as well. And again, thank you, Jason, for being willing to have us in your shop and being a part of the Gird Up podcast, bringing your message of hope um, and peace and, and even just some of the wisdom uh, to young men's lives around the world. Before we go, gentlemen, make sure that you are shopping on the Gird Up store, finding that t-shirt that you're going to wear for the summer, letting your life shine in a Gird Up t-shirt. And when you wear that Gird Up t-shirt, make sure you post about it and tag me in those posts in your story, whatever it is, um, and make sure the whole world knows where you got that awesome shirt, and make sure the whole world knows that you are a man after God's own heart. Gentlemen, I love you. God's blessings on your summer. Go be the man that God created you to be. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, and publishing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. We hope it helps you along your journey to be a man after God's own heart. Be sure to check out the Gird Up channel on YouTube. There you will find many podcast episodes just like this one, but you will also find exclusive video content geared at helping you be the man that God created you to be by introducing you to other godly men, teaching them how to behave, study, dress, act, eat, and live like a man of God, and you'll find devotions to help you grow in faith. Please consider supporting Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping in the online store at girdupministries.com, or by making a $5 cup of coffee donation at girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure that you like, follow, friend, and subscribe to Gird Up and our guests on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Those links are in the description. And as always... We will be praying for you on your journey. Blessings, men. Time to gird up and go be the man that God created you to be.